I'm not going to say but happy birthday, Marlon. We love you, and we're happy that you're here and part of this. In fact, it wouldn't be the same without you. That's the truth. So God put you here to help us be who we are. Okay, first of all, I want to tell you, I was thinking about this week because uh, we had, I wanted to say, uh, is the Murdochs, are they here? They were here. We want to give condolence to Doug Murdoch and his family. His mother passed away last night after a, She's 80, 83 years old. She had a pancreatic cancer, and, you know, she was suffering, and, you know, no, no matter, it's hard to lose your mama, right? Amen. But we know she's with the Lord. Amen. So, Lord, bless the Murdoch family, and thank you, Lord, for Doug's mom and the memory of her that Doug and Ann and all those who knew her will carry, that her influence will live on. In one sense, Lord, she really hasn't died She's alive more than ever, and on this earth, she lives on through Doug and the people that she's had much influence on. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, we wanted to pray for, uh, you know, a lot of you ladies know Kathy Campbell, uh, who did the women's retreat, and her husband, uh, well, this is what I know, he, three months ago, he went to the doctor to get his heart checked, and they said he had a really great heart, and then... Three months later, he has to go in for surgery to have five bypasses, and he has a stroke, a major stroke, and he uh, died. And he was a, a pastor and really a, an amazing guy. So, Lord, we pray for the Campbells. Father, he left behind four children, a beautiful wife, and, Lord, a church that really loved him and a lot of people that looked to him for for leadership and guidance and love and but, Lord, he's with you now, and you have a purpose, you have a plan. I pray for comfort for all of them and direction for all of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the scripture in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. Okay, that's a, a scripture uh, in Matthew 6. And I looked up, I was just curious about what evil meant. And it means this, it means sin, one, that's one thing it means. The second thing it means, sickness and disease and poverty and being poor. And that, aren't you glad, I was thinking about this this morning, aren't we glad that the Lord said, deliver us from those things instead of trying to explain those things? You hear what I'm saying to you? A lot of times we're trying to explain why do people get sick, why this, why that, and God just said, His, his answer to is deliver and so anybody who's sick this morning or who feels in some way impoverished in your soul or even if you feel like you're trapped in sin, I want you to stand up. If you're poor. Yeah, if you're poor. If you, just stand up this morning. Don't be ashamed. I mean, good Lord, God said deliver. That's what the Bible says. I mean, we're going to go with what the Bible says instead of what people say. I'm thankful that Jesus said that. I am so thankful he said that. I'm so thankful he didn't say, now here's the explanation on why this happens, why that happens. He just said, no, deliver, deliver. Of course, we know the Apostle Paul said, you know, God will cause all things to work for good. We know that's great, but that's an after fact. I think the first thing is God wants to deliver you this morning. That's the gospel message. So, Lord, for every person standing, uh, no matter whether it's sin, sickness, disease, they're just they're in poverty, they're broke, they're busted in some way, Lord. Lord, you said deliver. And today we're declaring that. We're not just praying it, Lord, we're declaring it. We're echoing what heaven has already spoken, Lord, that there'd be a deliverance today, a mighty deliverance that would begin to take place in our lives. There'd be a healing, a miraculous healing. Lord, we are not going to keep standing around and watching people get sick and go down, go down the hill, Lord. We believe deliverance, Lord. We believe you want to deliver. We believe you want to set free. We believe you want to bring wholeness into the house, Lord. Over and over in the Scriptures, Paul declared a blessing of wholeness, spiritual wholeness over people. And today, Lord, we're deciding that that's what we're doing. And so I pray for all these standing and even those who are sitting that may not want to stand, Lord, that you'd do that miracle in their life. You would do that healing. You'd do that deliverance. You'd do that miracle, Lord. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So keep that every time you hear about somebody who's sick. Keep pushing on that. Okay.
11.30, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. I'm going to read this to you. It says, Therefore, uh, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Uh, We all know that uh, you could build a very beautiful home. It could look very beautiful and be full of fine furniture and fine things. But if the foundation is not right on it, sooner or later that house is not going to be left standing. And so in the Bible, God uh, has a lot of thoughts that he releases in the scripture about foundations. This is one of the most pointed ones here is, you know, how we build our lives is really important, um, you know, in, in, in every aspect of our life. For every, whether you're a believer or not, you're you have some foundations in your life. Some, you know, uh, for instance, uh, from a health perspective, food is a foundation for your health. You, I think, most people would agree to that, right? Food, exercise, these are, are foundations for our health and, and for our emotions. Relationships are foundational. Who you hang around with, who you allow into your life is going to have a serious effect on your the condition of your soul, the condition of your heart. And of course, as Jesus stated here, whoever allows his words into their life and who acts on those words and allow those words to become a reality in their life, there is going to be an effect one way or the other. Um, so God... I think, has put it in man's heart to always be looking for a fresh start, a new beginning. I think God created the calendar in many ways to give us that kind of hopeful thinking, to say that you, your life does not have to be the way it was. And so in the world, people make resolutions, and I'm not against resolutions. I just never made any because I could never keep any. <laughs> I just knew that about myself. But I have had lots of goals in my life, and they could be kind of unhealthy for me because I was very goal-driven, and, you know, life was all about a goal. You know, and once I achieved my goal, I was real happy for about 30 minutes until I thought about my next goal, and then I went on to that. But God has delivered me from that kind of thinking, and giving me a way to live my life fully, more fully, moment by moment. But I still have goals. And so, but there's nothing wrong with that, of having goals. And, you know, in, at the beginning of the year, thinking about what you're going to do with your life this year versus what you did with your life last year and what you would like to be different about your life. So here's the thing, though. I believe... You know, anything we want to do different, any way we want to be different, we have to look at our foundations to see how we're going to build this different life, how this life is going to be different. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Um, There's a, a principle, and it's really a law, a universal law. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. How many people know about that? And the natural, if you sow... Corn in the ground, corn is going to grow, not beans, right? And so mankind lives under that law. God established that law. And so people, let me say this, people live their life based on that law whether they know it or not. So what the Bible's real clear. What you sow, you shall reap. It's very clear. So if you don't sow the right thing in your life, you're going you're to reap bad things, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. God will always, you know, God's patient. He'll wait around. But sooner or later, as my mama used to always tell me as a little boy, the chickens will come home to roost. And she usually told me that when the chickens were roost, beginning to roost and she had the switch out for something I should not have done. And I've always remembered that we reap what we sow. But, let me just say this, a big but in, in God's kingdom, God, there's another law that God has given us 
called the law of liberty. The law, that's what James calls it. The law is grace. Grace overcomes. It does not do away with sowing and reaping, but it does overcome it. In the natural, here's a good picture. In the natural, we have something called the law of gravity, right? Gravity holds you to the ground. Go stand, go jump off the roof over there. You're not going to fly. You're going to the ground. But there's another law called the law of aerodynamics. The law of aerodynamics can overcome the law of gravity. As long as you've got all the factors you need, you can ask Neil Linker about airplanes. They operate on this law called the law of aerodynamics. And it can over, actually overcome the law of gravity, but does, doesn't do away with the law of gravity. So God has given man another way to live. It's grace. And grace will supersede and overcome the law of sowing and reaping. God has designed the Christian life to be a life lived by grace. Not, he has not designed us to live by sowing and reaping. That is not what the Bible, the New Testament teaches on any level, on any day. It does talk about sowing and reaping for those who have chosen to live their life that way. And let me say this. There's many Christians who live that way. And you, God, you will have to live, you know, you will have to be submitted to the results of the way you live. But God has given us this other, other law. And I wanted to read just one scripture on it. It's my favorite one because, you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of conversations about grace, good and bad. Um, but this is one I think should settle the issue for everybody once and for all. It says, it's Titus 2, 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. To all men. God has made himself available to all men. Okay? And any man can step in to this new way of living. And then it tells us this is what this will do. It will teach us that denying ungodliness, okay, worldly lust, we should live a certain way. We should live soberly. Soberly means in, the, in your right mind. There's a right mind that God wants us to live in. Okay, that's what soberly means. Righteously. Righteous means right relationship with God. Okay, and then the finally, the last one is godly. That's being holy in this present age. So there's no, none of this business that if you're under grace and you're living in grace, that you are going to live a bad lifestyle. That's a, a deception. If you're thinking that and acting that way, you actually have put yourself back under the law of sowing sober, and reaping, and you have taken yourself out from under grace. Okay. Grace enables us. It's not only a power to live your life the way God has designed life to work, but it teaches us how to do that because it realizes you can have all the power in the world to do something, but you don't always know how to work it out. There's an outwork and there's a thing that you have to learn. You have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, to learn how to live your life in, in your right mind. Learn how to live in right relationship with God and learn how to live a holy life. And God has given us that as a foundation to live the way to live our life. So anytime we launch out into something, Anytime we're looking for something in our life, anytime we're, anytime we're looking towards the future or some new endeavor or some new vision or some new dream or some new thing that we think God wants to do, we have to go first to, a, to, a, to the foundations of who we are and how God wants it to, to outwork in your life. Do y'all believe that? And this is, so this is how, what I'm feeling, uh, you know, uh, Becky has preached a lot on this, actually. One of the things that she said, I was just going to give her a quote off of one of her messages. She says, I don't listen. She says, times of trial and tribulation will bring to light what foundation our lives are built upon. Times of trial and tribulation will bring to light. That was just saying what Jesus said, right? When the winds come, when the storms come. He didn't say if they come. He says when they come. We're going to face difficulties. And he says that's going to show the foundation of your life. That's what Jesus said. And that's what Becky said. Now let me give you another thought. Because we're moving into another time 
And we're moving into a time where this, this is sort of my thought now, as we go forward, we're into this new time, okay, our foundations will be vital to support the new things God wants to do in your life. Your foundations, we're moving into a new time where God has different, maybe some differences for you, some new thoughts, new dreams, new visions, new ways of living your life, new things that He may call you to do, new anointings. But for us to really fulfill this, we, we had to make sure we do like a good builder. We establish a foundation to support these things. Are you, are you following me? And so I wanted to talk to you about a foundation, one foundation that I think is vital for us. In fact, I would say it's one of the most vital foundations there is. And I'm going to read it to you out of John 14, which is a beautiful chapter in the Bible. Everybody, if you want to memorize the scripture, that would be a great one. But I wanted to remind you about John, actually beginning in John 13, Going all the way to John 17 is uh, what has been called the Holy of Holies of the New Testament. The Holy of Holies of the New Testament because that is the last things that Jesus was saying to his disciples because within a day Jesus would be dead. He knew within a day he knew his life would come to an end as it was. And so he was telling the last things to these people that were close to him. And he had told them a lot of stuff. And so everything in John 13 to 17 is like, to me, it's like the heart of Christ being exposed in a, in, in a very intimate way, in a very close way, not just him preaching to groups and crowds. It was the people that he poured himself into. And he knew that they were going to take his mantle when he left the earth. Those were the people he wanted to make sure. I want to talk to you about my heart before this mantle of power and this, this calling comes on your life. So I find them to be really, you know, vital scriptures in our life. If we really want to be people who live out of our heart like Christ lived out of his heart, it sort of gives you glimpses of his heart. Isn't that awesome? I've often thought if I found myself in a situation where... All the Bible would be taken away from me, but I could have just a few things, a few chapters. I would get these hands down. I'll take John 13 through 17 with me because I can always keep, stay in touch with the heart of the Lord Jesus in those. They, they, they are like that. You should, you should go and just read them and then go back and read them again and read them again and again and ask the Holy Spirit to bring the, the beautiful things out. So, are we okay? Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. In other words, if, if you can show him to us all things, that will be, that's the final thing we need to see. That's the thing that will settle everything, is if we can see the Father. If we can see God, if we could just see God, if we could just know God was there, right? If we could just know he was there when we needed him at our worst moment, that would be sufficient, right? If we knew God was right there. Well, that's sort of the thought of it. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And so how can you say, show us the Father? I want to say that was the great purpose of Jesus of coming to the earth. Jesus didn't come to the earth simply, you know, just to do good works. He came to show us something. He came to reveal to us what the Father and heaven was really like. And so, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Because he is saying, if you've seen, the fa- if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no difference between us. We're both the same. And so, anything that Christianity is projecting that doesn't line up with what Jesus projected, it should be discarded. Because it's not. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father 
in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Notice he shifted to something, began to talk about seeing something to doing something. You catch that? In other words, you got to see something to really do something. Right? That's what, why the revelation of the Father is so powerful, because you see something and then you're able to do. Oh, this business of, of trying to understand something to do doesn't work in the Christian life. It's, it's failure. In fact, it will lead you away from the Lord. It will burn you out. It will frustrate you. You'll make a lot of mistakes, uh, being one who've made lots of those mistakes. Believe me that I am in the Father and follow me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, listen to this, the works that I will do, he will also do also, and greater works. Actually, works is not in that part. It says, and greater than these he will do, because I go to my Father. How many people would like to see that happen in their life? John uh, 14, 12. How many people would like to see the works of God? How many people are in their heart struggling with your prayers not being answered the way they should be? How many people are frustrated when they hear about somebody getting sick with cancer? How many people really feel that and when they lay awake at night and say, God, why? Why is my prayers failing? God wants to put that in his people because it's a question he wants to ask us. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to feel that, to feel what he feels when we hear stuff. God is interested in doing miracles, big time. He really is. Yet we're a people, when things don't work and everything fails, we give up on God. We give up on his heart. God wants to do something in the earth. He's looking for people who can tap back into his heart to be able to do and that's how we do is we tap in. We begin to see the Father. And when we see the Father, we see what His heart's like. And His heart's sort of like a, a father in the natural. That's a good father that loves their children and, and weeps when they're sick and, and feels all these things. This is sort of an impossible thing to say. To really, because in your mind you can hear all this and it makes no difference. You could agree with it. It makes no difference. But when your heart begins to catch a glimpse, a sense, you, what she said, the switch thing, where is she? Yeah. That you felt disengaged. The switch, when you turn that switch, the Father begins to enlighten you. That's how you can become engaged again. Or if you've never been engaged, because suddenly you connect with His heart and you begin to feel things that he feels and think things that he thinks. And I think God's starting to stir in people's hearts and wake them up at night and when they're thinking about why is Katrina suffering, Lord? Why, why is she having to take chemotherapy? Why, Lord? Why aren't we seeing the, the breakthrough? We should be asking God that. Every person we pray for, it should bother us if they're not Healed. In fact, I've heard this. I've never heard it firsthand, but I've heard that people who move in great healing say it's not the ones that was healed that haunts them that they think about. It's the ones that didn't get healed that racked their hearts. And they wonder, why? Why this person but not that person? Are y'all all right? Anyways, uh, this is a great foundational message. <laughs> It really is. It's the gospel message. Yes. Um, anyways, I love this 1412. I believe 1412, greater works, is connected to what Jesus said. It's seeing the Father. I don't think we can take verse 12 and just pull it out and declare that's going to happen independently. It can't happen independently. It must happen within the context of Christ revealing the Father to people and Christ allowing have people have this revelation and seeing something they're not seeing. I believe that's the way into John 14, 12. And that's why I'm trying to do I'm trying to find my way into that verse. But I can't just go into that verse 
without this person that's revealing the Father. This is the most fundamental revelation in the Scripture is that Christ came to show us the Father. That's the most foundational thing. That's how you build your life. That's how you work and your Christian life will work. If you don't have this revelation, you're going to suffer uh, a bad Christian life. And then he says, and, and this is crazy, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Doesn't that drive you nuts? <laughs> I don't know about you, but it drives me crazy. I've been driven crazy by these verses because not whatever I'm asking is working, but because there's something lacking. And it's back to this person. I feel pretty passionate about this. I hope you are okay. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. That's what Jesus said. Jesus doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. And that should stir us. That should trouble us. That should provoke us. I feel that God is releasing a provoking spirit on people. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to mess with you. I'm not going to let you be satisfied. I'm not going to let you be satisfied. I'm going, to, I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to needle you. Because you've got something in you. You've got this. Whoa, we sang about it. You've got the resurrection power in you. You've got that power. You've got. Hey, let me tell you what else I saw doing worship. I tell you, that was that song. That song. I bet you there's people in this room. What was this? And you're never going to let me down. I bet you people were saying, well, yes, you have. Yes, you have let me down, God. How many people didn't think that? If you didn't think that, well, why, daggone. You must have been caught up in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Becky and I have had a conversation about those things. And uh, we talked about being let down. Right? But this new army, they were people who were let down. That's the thing. They were the people who sensed failure. It was David's, did I say that? David's mighty men. Right? They were all who distressed, in debt, disgusted, mad, outcasts, go to a cave somewhere. They were losers. They were beat down in life. And they joined themselves, this kid David. And those are the ones who became David's mighty men, who ruled Israel with David and did mighty, valorous things. It came from that army of people. You're, if you have lost, if you are disgusted, if you have messed up, you can become that person today. Flip the switch. That was a good word. Flip it. Say, I'm going to be a mighty man of valor, a mighty woman of valor. I've got something those guys didn't even have. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. They didn't have the Holy Ghost inside of them. Anyways, well, thank you, Lord. I wanted to read something here. I'm running out of time, but I wanted to read this Ephesians 1. Everybody who knows me knows this is a very special verse, verse prayer for me. And I've, tried, I've thought about this prayer. Actually, I can honestly say this. There are not many days in my life where I don't think about this, these verses here. Because these verses trouble me. These verses trouble me. They promise me something I can have that I don't feel like I'm fully embracing. And so that's why I'm so infatuated with it. And this has been going on for 20 years. This is what Paul said. This is a beautiful prayer. I believe it's a prayer that works. It just needs to work more in me. It would probably work better in you than me. I'm sort of slow. Uh, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Sound like a pretty good bunch of people, right? Faith and love. I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God, listen, it's the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Isn't that beautiful? The Father of glory. That's what he is. That's one of his attributes is glory. The Father of glory. Not just some guy who got exposed to glory. The one who released the glory out of himself. And the one who wants to impregnate people with glory. I mean, that's sort of a bad picture, but that's what I just thought. Out of the loins of God comes glory. And he wants to put that in us and cause it to come forth in us. And I believe it has. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You were impregnated by God. He put a holy seed in you, just like with Mary, but this time it was spiritual. It was greater. I'm not trying to get too intimate sounding here or too medically sounding. 
But that's what really happened. And I love that. Okay, that he may give you the spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit, spirit of wit. No, he, he wasn't saying, listen, you need to get some wisdom about this situation. Or you need to get some revelation about it. No, he said, no, this is what God wants. He don't want to give you a glass of wisdom. He don't want to give you a glass of water. He wants to give you a river. A river that flows what the Spirit is. It's a river. He's saying, I want you to walk in this. I want you to live in this. I want it to flow in your life. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation. What? In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you, this is the key for you having a successful day and a successful week and a successful month and a successful new year is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see the connection? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, Paul was just expounding on this is how you're going to do this. God wants to release something to you and the primary reason he wants to release it to you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, is so you can see the Lord Jesus Christ. So you, hey, I don't care, that may sound simple, but that's the answer. That's the answer to Christianity. That's the answer Christianity has. We don't have another answer. Listen, we don't have another answer. We don't have another answer for our country. We don't have another answer for the economy. You see, when we bring him in there, we bring the ultimate wisdom in. We bring the ultimate knowledge in. We bring it all. And see, that's why everything starts with a revelation of him. Everything starts. If our life is not based on a revelation of Christ, we are not living the life that we're supposed to live, I don't think. And so... But the beautiful thing, he says, the eyes of your heart being enlightened to see this person, to know this person. And then he goes on and says something called the hope of his calling. The hope. Now, I tell you, I want to do this for you. A race, when you think about calling, well, I'm, I'm called to preach. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called. Forget all that. Just for a moment in your life, forget what you think you're called to do. Because I would like to propose something to you this morning about those verses. The next thing he talks about is that we would know the glorious inheritance that we are in Christ. And then the last thing he says is that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power that he has towards us who believe. And he goes on and explains that's resurrection power. So this is this thought I'm having these days about this. God wants to do so. He wants to open our eyes to see the hope of His calling, not our calling, His. His calling. And out of the, His calling is going to come a revelation. Number one, it's going to come a revelation of who you really are, your value, how God values you, how precious you are, your true identity. Okay? So let me just say this. You cannot know your true identity without knowing, without not having a revelation of God the Father. I don't give a rip what you say. That is not in the Bible anywhere. You cannot, you can't have it. It all comes with this revelation of this person. What did he say in Matthew 16 when he said, when he asked the question that he's still asking, who do people say I am? Now, who, who's all these preachers saying I am? And then he says, but who cares what they say? I can hear Jesus adding that in. If, if I'd have been Jesus, that's what I said. Well, but who gives a rip what they say? Who do you say? Because that's the real question. Yeah. Who do you say I am? Yeah. Yeah. Who? You. Not the preachers. Not the theologians. Yeah. Not the person on the television who's doing a bunch of stuff. You. Who do you say that I am? That's a question we have to answer. Yeah. And Peter answered the question. You're the Christ. And he said, Peter, guess what? You didn't figure that out. That was revealed to you, there was a revelation that came, and 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 you, and then he told Peter who he was. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Do you see that? Do you see the revelation of identity, and then you're going to do this? The keys of the kingdom, the church, everything swung on him having a revelation of Christ, yeah, yeah. a real revelation of Christ, yeah. as Christ is who he really is. 
Are y'all following this? Somehow I just wish, I wish I could give this more. I want this more. Because it's the key. I believe it's one of the great keys to walking in the power of God and seeing God heal the sick. Seeing God deliver people on a wide scale basis. Because I've been asking, well, why is that not happening? Anyways, I wanted to tell you something. There's a man named Tim Keller who's a Presbyterian. Just so I have quoted a Presbyterian. <laughs> I think he's a good Presbyterian. You know, there's a few good Presbyterians, like there's a few good non-denominational people, right? He said this, when your identity is wrapped up in your work, success goes to your head. And failure, failure goes to your heart. Why are you disappointed today? You failed. Your thing failed. It's because your identity was all wrapped up in that. What you did. Who you were. How successful you were as a preacher. Or how successful you were praying for the sick. Or how successful you were in business. Or whatever you want to do in your life. And so when everything's going good. Unknowingly, oh, that's the Lord's Lord, but your head is so big, it can't get through the door. But then, when it all falls apart, you lose heart. You give up on God. God is a disappointment to you. And you accuse God. Is that not the way human beings do things? Well, I'm supposed to be finished. Let me just finish here, Lord willing. Somebody said, Byron, you are bad about saying that. It's ten more minutes when you say that. That's not true, though. That person didn't know what they were talking about. I want to say this to you. Don't, now this is big for me to say this. Don't pursue what you think you're supposed to do apart from a fresh revelation of Christ. Now stop that. Stop that. Stop it. Because you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. I don't care if you don't do anything. But that is not going to get you there. And I've always been big on pursuing your dreams. and I still am, but I think there's been a missing element for a lot of us. We've gotten away from something. And you can go the wrong direction in your life. Um, vision... Well, this is really, I'm going to try to say this in a way that you can understand. It makes total sense to me. I didn't really work on this and make it more sensible to you. Vision starts with identity and purpose. A vision for your life starts with, vi- with identity and purpose. In other words, that spirit of wisdom rather than coming and giving and showing you, you see in the Father and you grabbing a hold of identity, your real identity, and you grabbing a hold of purpose in your life, you can begin to form vision for your life. Does that make sense? That's how. And so what I had to do is I had to come to the place in my life of comfort of not having a vision I could explain to somebody. But in my heart, my heart was alive with a vision. I just didn't know what it was. And I came to the place where I became very comfortable with that or Maybe I could say I'm coming very comfortable with that because people are like, well, what's your vision? All I can say is right now I have more vision in my life than I've had in years. It's just I don't know what it looks like. I can't describe it to you out here because it's all in here. Is that making sense? Yeah. This is really important. When we see our identity, we can think with God's purpose for us. We can think towards that. Does that make sense? And that all begins with a revelation of Him. It all begins there. Y'all are looking at me, frowning at me. Y'all are just frowning like, what in the heck is He trying to tell us? And I hear so many people trying to figure out what they do. I think I want to do something. I'm just saying, oh, don't even, mm I mean, I know there's a place for that, but something is missing in the church. Something's missing with all this. It shouldn't be this hard. And I think the missing thing is the revelation of God the Father through Christ. And when we begin to see Him, He begins to put pieces together 
in our heart. And we begin to see our life different. We see ourselves different. We see our circumstances different because you are unable, unable to see your circumstances properly apart from God. You are unable. It is impossible. I hate my job. My job's hard. Maybe it's not. How do you know it is? It may not be the worst job in the world. It may be exactly where God wants you. And it may be God wants to reveal something to you there. How, how you view God is important. Ask yourself this question. When you think about God, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? What's the first thought? No manipulated thought. The first thought. And that can tell you something. We, Becky and I were riding down the road today, and I said, so what's the first thing you think about when you think about God? I think about a lot of things. No, tell me the first thing, the thing that comes to mind. She said, well, I think God's really big. That God is really big. And that's my conclusion that all the stuff I've been through in my life, I serve a big God. He's really big. He's everywhere. And she said, what do you think about? Why? Well, at that day, I had been meditating on my salvation, about how God saved me and how God looked at me and cared about me. I said, God's wonderful. That was the thought I had. God's wonderful. So what I'm saying is, at different times, you may have a different word because there's no one way to describe God. But that is a way in your life to find out where your heart is. Is ask yourself the truth and answer yourself. Answer the truth. Answer the truth because God loves truth because truth will set you free. And if your answer is a bad answer, God's not angry. He's just, in fact, he's saying, thank you for telling, finally telling the truth. <laughs> you think I'm a jerk. You think I'm a whole, I'm so glad you finally told me instead of going and acting all pious and all like you think God is something great. But deep down in your heart, you think he's mean. He wants us to be truthful with them, and the truth will set you free. And the only thing I would say is, if you tell God he's ugly, just be respectful. Well, I just sort of think you're ugly, Lord. I mean, I, I hate to tell you that, but be respectful when you talk to God, because we, don't, we want to honor our parent, our big parent. Okay, I'm going to stop. But I'm going to pray for you. Okay, I'm going to pray just a simple prayer. Is This is simple. What I'm telling you is really simple. It's really foundational for your life. This is how you build your life. You build it off a revelation of Jesus Christ because he's the cornerstone. And you build it off a revelation of what he's revealing to you. You build your life that way. And I think God is calling us into a new time. He wants us to do new things. Okay, new stuff, new visions, new dreams, new revelations. But he wants to begin with himself. And get us back to a fresh revelation of himself and the vitalness of the person, the person of Jesus Christ, the person of God the Father and the person of the Holy Spirit, that they're the vital ones. And my view of them and how I relate to them will affect everything in my life. I can't treat my wife right. I can't see her right until I begin to see them right. And when I see them right, I see myself. The way God looks at me. And when I see myself right, I can look at her or Marlon or any person in this room and begin to see how God sees them. And I can look at my situation. I can look at my ministry. I can look at all my failures. I can look at everything and see God. Because God is in everything. He's in everything. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, God is there. When Becky broke her shoulder, I was just beside myself with housework <laughs> and details. Take me to the store. Wait on me. Wash me. Pick this up. Do this. I hate details. And I was saying, God, you got to do something to help me. And then I realized that's probably not a good prayer. It's probably a bad prayer. And I submitted and said, God, you're in everything. Help me find you in this. For me, help me find you in this. And God began to teach me about 
a greater level of being a servant and having a servant's heart and serving people and how people who are disabled and live that way, how paying attention to them and realizing and having empathy towards people that can't do things that we can automatically do, suddenly that became more a greater reality. That was what I was starting to see. God and all that. God is in everything. Let me pray for you. God is in everything. God is in everything. Lord, you're in everything. Today, Lord, we're asking you for a fresh release, a further release of the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Jesus Christ. I just ask you for that today. Father, Lord, we don't know enough. We, you're too big to know. I ask you, Lord, to open the eyes of our heart. will be enlightened, Lord. That we could see the hope of your calling, your purpose, your future, the things that you have. We begin to connect with those. Today, Lord, some of us in this room have made some, some plans. Perhaps you're saying, why don't you put that on hold? And plan to be with me. Plan to get new perspective over your life. Plan to get new thoughts. Hey, let's pray against a spirit of suicide. Let's ask the Lord to break suicide off in people. Let's ask the Lord to break suicides, a suicide spirit off in people. That's a mean, powerful spirit. Let's just ask the Lord to do that. Let's ask the Lord to break despair off in people. And depression. And hopelessness. Let's ask the Lord to do that. Lord, we ask you to do that. We come against a spirit of suicide, both natural suicide and spiritual suicide. I'm going to say this. I don't really know why, but I felt that. I felt a spirit of suicide. And I don't know if you are thinking about killing yourself or you think about killing something in your life that shouldn't be killed. Don't do it. That's a spirit. That's an evil spirit. That's a death spirit. God is a spirit of life. God's a spirit of hope. Let God, let God come into your heart fresh this morning. Lord, we just come against despair and depression, hopelessness. Lord, this is a new time. It's a time to see things fresh. It's a time to see the Father in a fresh way. It's time to know the Father in a fresh way. It's a time to know Jesus in a fresh way. The, the beauty of Christ. And it's a time, Lord, to know the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. You know, there's a phrase called burning ones. It's kind of gotten popular, okay, in recent years. I think it's a great phrase, but I had that phrase in, in the 1970s because I was a burning one then. That's how I got saved. God's fire came into my life. Yep, and I always considered myself to be a burning one as God's fire came on me and then His light the light from that fire came into my life and showed me my life and showed me him and revealed Christ Jesus to me and that's how I came to know God is, is through that experience and if you this morning don't know this person this God wants to make you a burning one he wants to bring His fire into your life. And His fire is His passion, is His love for you. And He wants you to feel that. He wants people to feel His love. He's not like an aloof lover. He wants to show you His passion. Like the men on the road to Emmaus who said, Our hearts were burning when He spoke. Why were their hearts burning? Because God's love was, being, was penetrating their hearts. And they were hopeless and they were giving up and they were walking away and they felt this fire in them. And it was the love of God. That's what they said. We felt this, our hearts burning. And they jumped up and they went back to tell everybody, we found the burning one. We found the love of God. He's not dead. He's alive. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God set us on fire this morning afresh. Let the fire rise up in us afresh so we can take it and give it to other people. So we can light the way for people in darkness. So we can light our own way. I'm going to let Marlon do this. Oh, I just how the Father just want me to tell you guys. He's so delighted with us. It's not even based on anything that we do. It's based solely through position, how he positions us. You know, there's a blessing. Are you full blessed because of the things that you have? But truly, even if you didn't have any of those things, you're still blessed. Because it's a position that you have with the Father. Amen? So this morning, I know you all can feel the Father's presence. You can feel the Father's weightiness in this room. So I'm just going to ask the ministry team to come up first of all. And then for the rest of you, you will are free to bask in the presence of the Lord. Don't be in a hurry. You know, just bask in there. Just do and be free by His grace just to engage Him as the worship team just plays. And if you need any father prayer, deeper prayer, we have a lovely ministry team that loves to pray for people and have the gift of impartation also. And with that said, I just pray that the Father will absolutely smile upon you as you go forth and that His grace will chase you, will overtake you, that his goodness will continuously be around your neck, that you can't get away from it, and that his beauty will absolutely enlighten your heart. And we all say, amen.